Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Well, there is something exciting uh, about that package that is underneath uh, the tree. Even the biggest Grinch in the room uh, still gets a little excited uh, to find out what is in that package, that that package that's covered in that nice paper, it's got your name on it, uh, that, that anticipation of what could be in it. What could be in that package? Could it be the Fitbit Charge 2? Could that be the Xbox One S, the PlayStation 4 Pro, the Apple Watch 2 uh, for the kids in the room? Could it be the Barbie Dreamhouse playset? Could it be the Google Home, the iPhone 7 for the dudes in the room? Could that package underneath the tree be the 54-piece socket wrench set from Home Depot? In Jesus' name, amen. Could it be the Hasbro companion pet, wireless headphones, the Kindle paperweight, handbags, boots, scarves, jewelry from that store that you like, a chainsaw with a 20-inch bar, a skateboard, and if you're truly blessed this year, you got yourself a Hatchimole, right? We, yeah, that's right, Hatchimole. So we, we all love getting gifts, and, and like I said, even, even if you, you're not into Christmas, you don't like Christmas, we get excited about getting gifts and, and opening up that present, tearing off the paper and, and seeing uh, what is inside of that gift. And, and the question is, why do all of us love getting stuff? Why, why do we like getting that? Why is it so exciting? Even if it's a terrible tie or a bad pair of socks from grandma, we, we're still excited to get that gift and, and open it up. Well, friends, I believe that there is something that is happening beneath the surface in the human soul. There is something happening when we get gifts, when we get presents, when we, when we get more stuff. There's, there's something happening. Here's what's happening. What's happening underneath the surface, underneath it all is there's something going on inside of the human soul. You see, friends, as humans, we all have a restless soul. We have a broken soul. There is something wrong deep inside of us, and we all feel it, whether you, whether you try to hide it, ignore it, pretend like it's not there. But you know that there is something broken deep within you, something broken deep within your soul. As, as you lay in bed at night and you can't sleep and you're staring at the ceiling, maybe it comes to you when you're standing looking at yourself in the bathroom mirror, but you know there is something wrong, broken deep within the human soul. And here's the thing. When we get stuff, when we get gifts, when we get things, it seems to be the salve for the broken human soul. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Every human everywhere is tempted to believe that stuff will bring them peace. And so what's happening deep within our soul, we get that package when we open it up, when, when you moved into your new house. You remember that feeling? You remember when you sat in your new car, even if it was just new to you, right? When you sat in your new car or you went into your new house or you got that new outfit or you sat on that new furniture, there was something deep within you that went, ah, peace. I finally have the stuff that is making me feel at peace because essentially stuff becomes the salve for a broken human soul. But here's the problem with that. It's never enough. That new stuff that you get, it always fades. It, it, it always loses its luster. I mean, listen, when you get the iPhone 7, your iPhone 6 right now, you're going to think it's a piece of junk, 
Okay, like, but but when you got the six, you were like, oh my, this is the best thing ever. And but but when you get the new iPhone, and, and when you finally get your iPhone 17 or 34, like how many ever they continue to come out with, you're gonna look back at that old phone and think, I mean, how did I ever function? That was the Stone Age, right? Look at this new thing that I have. I say that to say. Everything that we get, all that new stuff that we acquire that essentially becomes a salve for a broken human soul, all that new stuff eventually loses its luster. And listen, let me tell you the truth, okay? So kids, you know, close your ears right now. Everything underneath the tree is eventually going to end up in the trash, Because all the stuff that we accumulate, one, it's never enough stuff, and two, all the stuff that we accumulate to to make ourselves feel better, to to get rid of that uncomfortableness, that, that restlessness, that brokenness in our soul, it eventually loses its luster, and stuff is never enough. So here's the big idea for today. Again, jot this down if you're taking notes. To hope in Christ alone is the only thing that can meet your ultimate expectation of peace. Humans are on a journey to relieve their broken soul. Every human everywhere is on a journey to fix the brokenness that we find deep within ourselves. All of us are. Some, some seek to find it in stuff. Some seek to build businesses. Some seek, seek to build families. But all of it is in an effort to heal a deep wound that is within us. The brokenness that we find inside, the restlessness that we find inside. And every human everywhere is on a journey to heal their broken soul. They're on a journey to find peace. The problem is the only true peace, the only real peace that is to be found is in Christ alone. Amen? It is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is where we find our ultimate rest and ultimate peace. And so if you're here this morning and, and you're, you're acknowledging that and understanding that, yeah, there is something broken deep within myself, there, there is something that, that feels restless, friend, let me tell you, um, here is the remedy, the only true remedy. Everything else is, is simply a numbing agent, but this is the true cure. His name is Jesus Christ, and he came and he lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place for our sins, and by placing your faith on him, you can find true peace. And this isn't a peace that's built on your circumstances. This is true peace with God. Now, as we turn to our text today, we will just quickly journey through Luke. Go ahead and open up your Bibles if you have them, or get out your smartphone or your tablet or whatever, and get this text in front of you, because this is the reason that we're gathered here this morning. We're gathered here because of what Luke unfolds for us, the good news that we find here in this text. Verses 1 through 3, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now listen, I love, just I'm making an announcement right now, I love Star Wars. Any, any Star Wars fans in here, right? All right. What, what about Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Okay. Now, those are fiction Okay, Uh, if you were to go read the Lord of the Rings book, they are written in such a style that is fiction. It is fiction in the way uh, that it is written. You can tell. uh, Okay, so there's no actual Mordor. Okay, that's not a real place. Um, You know, Star Wars, if you go read that or watch those films, those are meant to be fiction. But as we read right here, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. This is an actual historical person. Um, He is telling about a specific historical person and a specific historical place and time. This is not a fairy tale, 
okay? Uh, listen, we worship the, the king of the universe who showed up as a baby. And, and if this is all just fiction and fairy tale, listen, we all should be back at home in our pajamas opening gifts, okay? But the, re- the reason that we're here is because this is real. Jesus, fully God, fully man, showed up in baby form. He didn't just stay a baby. That's the good news, okay? He didn't just stay a baby. He grew up, became the man, and went to the cross, okay? That's the good news. So this is true. This is historical. This is fact. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, meaning all of the Roman world should be registered. They did these type of census for two reasons. Uh, One was to see how many people they had so that they could tax them, and also to see how many able-bodied men they had uh, if they wanted to raise an army. And so they were called to be registered. Look at verses 4 and 5. And Joseph... Uh, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. What is so interesting is we see two people in the first two verses. We see this guy, Caesar Augustus, and then his right-hand man over that particular territory. We'll just call him Q because his name's hard to say. So we got Caesar Augustus and we got Q, and then we meet these two other people, Mary and Joseph. Know the contrast between the two. Uh, Caesar Augustus and Q, uh, they are pagans. Uh, Mary and Joseph, God worshipers. Caesar Augustus and Q, they are very powerful, very well known. Uh, these uh, Mary and Joseph are poor peasants. Note how the story is beginning to show great contrast between the people uh, that we find. Now, they went to Nazareth uh, from Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. So there they are in Nazareth, and they have to get to Bethlehem. So the reason is uh, it was foretold that that's where the baby would be born, but they're a hundred miles away. The question is, why didn't God choose someone else that was closer to where they were supposed to be? I mean, were there no uh, women there that were godly that uh, could have borne the Savior of the world? Here's the reason. Okay, again, why does God send them on this 100-mile journey? Because God wanted to put on display His authority and His power over the events of human history. In this, I want you to see, they have to make this long journey. Why do they have to make this long journey? Well, because the Savior must be born in Bethlehem, and here's how God does it. He does it by using the Roman government. You see, um, in God's world, in in this world uh, that we live in, human governments are his pawn. Okay, so listen, I don't know if you're person one, okay, this election cycle, but let me just tell you, uh, God is sovereign over all human governments everywhere. And if he wants to figure out how to get a virgin from Nazareth to Bethlehem, he can use whatever means possible because he is ultimately powerful over all governments, all peoples everywhere. That's the God we serve. Amen? So that's how they get there. Now, What fills us with hope and peace is that we serve a God who is stronger and greater than we can ever imagine. Problem, how do we get her from point A to point B? God's solution, I'm in charge of everyone everywhere. This is not a problem. So they get to where they're supposed to be so that Jesus can be born in Bethlehem. Verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them 
in the inn. The first part of this is very normal. He was born, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Anybody use swaddling blankets on their babies? I know my wife and I did. This was a very common practice then. It's a very common practice now. But it was a very uncommon practice to then lay that baby in a manger. Okay, this would have been a feeding trough where, where animals ate because there was no room for them. Obviously, everyone was in town for the registration, and they had no place to put this baby. And the only place that they could lay it uh, was in the manger. So needless to say, this was not a sterile environment. Okay? Um, so there was no place for them. Again, note the irony of the text. A woman who is highly favored, that's Mary, and there is no room for her in the end. He, the baby Jesus, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and He is laid in the manger. The Most High becomes the Most Low. He is despised and rejected, yet that is what all of us are actually searching for. We're all searching for that peace, yet here He is rejected and not allowed to come into the inn. Verses 8 and 9. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. In keeping with this same theme, God does not send his angels to announce to a Roman governor, a high priest, or even the Pharisees or Sadducees, but to simple shepherds. He did not choose the bigwigs to show off. He, he went to shepherds who were looked down upon, who were despised, and they were filled with fear. Look at what happens in verses 10 and 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And there will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Here we get the announcement. The, the angels are announcing to these shepherds what just happened. They, they said, uh, I bring you good news. What, what's the good news? Well, unto you is born. Now, we, we have a lot of birth announcements in this church. I don't know if you know that. You saw all the kids, right? We just keep having more kids. We get a lot of birth announcements. And here's how we make that birth announcement. We say, uh, so-and-so uh, just had this baby. It was born unto to them. What's interesting about this birth announcement is this baby is born for you or unto you. What that means is in a very real way, Jesus came for me. He came for Kirk. He, he came for us to save us. He is born unto us. And that's the good news of the Christmas message, that Jesus comes for us, that, that we were running from him, that we were rebellious, that, that we want nothing to do with God. Yet God in his great love comes and chases us and pursues us because he loves us. Friends, if, if you feel like nobody cares about you, nobody loves you, nobody wants to be around you, if, if you're feeling just the, the weight and depression that often comes with the holiday season, I want you to know God loves you and God is chasing after you because he loves you. And that's great news this Christmas season. We got the birth announcement. We also got the place, the city of David. Who is David? That's King David. So, so the angels are announcing this is not just any baby, but this is the baby king, the baby king of the universe. And we get his title, a savior who is Christ the Lord. This is Messiah. This is Christ. This is the one that we are to bow the knee to. 
Friends, if, if you're the type of person who doesn't generally come to church, this is kind of like you're just here to kind of check out and see the kids, and, and maybe it's your granddaughter, your grandson, you're not really the church person. The announcement that was just made here is that Christ is Lord. That means he is king, and kings are to be obeyed. And so instead of living for ourselves, instead of living uh, for all of the stuff that we can gain and get, Friends, let me invite you to the most exciting life that there ever is, and that is bowing the knee to King Jesus and surrendering your whole life to him. Let's look at the end of this text. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. There's that peace that I'm talking about. Friends, if you're taking notes, jot this down. The good news of Christmas is that we get peace with God. Humans are broken. We talked about that. Humans have a restless soul. That is because of sin. We are born into sin. We're born sinners. And listen, we continue in sin by will and choice. We, we are hostile to God. To sin is to commit cosmic treason against the God of the universe. So what, what the good news is, is that when baby Jesus shows up, again, he doesn't stay a baby, okay? He grows up, he becomes a man, uh, and he goes to the cross. And so all of the sin that you have committed, if you have faith on him, gets nailed to the cross, and so all of the stuff that you did last week, last year, this morning, all of the sin that you have committed, your past, present, and future sin can be forgiven, can be nailed to the cross. That is the good news about Christmas is that we have a way to get peace with God. Humans in their natural state are hostile to God. We don't want anything to do with him. We don't want to follow him. We don't want to bow the knee. But through Jesus Christ's work, we can be brought back to God, reconciled to him, and, and be called sons and daughters of God. Amen? That's good news. That's really exciting news. That's, that's worth putting up a tree. That's worth going and getting gifts for. That's worth singing carols. That is so worth it. If Jesus grows up and lives the life that we couldn't live and dies the death that we should have died in our place for our sins, that is worth celebrating. Amen? So the good news of Christmas is that we get peace with God. Next, the good news of Christmas is that we get peace within ourselves. You see, if you're like me, I have two lawyers that live inside me. One lawyer tells me that I'm not that bad of a guy. Uh, he tells me that all of my sin is justified and that one day I'll stand before God and he'll pat me on the back and say, hey, there were a lot of people out there that were worse than you, so come on in. It's okay. I also have another lawyer that lives inside of me that tells me how horrible I am, that tells me how sinful I am, that tells me that God could never love a no good guy like me. Anybody else have those two lawyers living inside of you? The good news of, of, of Christmas, the, the Christmas message, as we look at the baby in the manger, we get to have peace within ourselves because uh, there is another mediator who comes to mediate between me and God. This is Christ Jesus. He places one hand on God the Father and one hand on my shoulder, and he says, God, I have died for his sins, and so he can be simultaneously sinner and saint. Friends, I am a sinner. If you're looking for a perfect church and a perfect pastor, you're in the wrong place. 
I am a sinner. I mess up all the time. But listen to this. In God's eyes, I am a saint. I am justified, righteous, sanctified, glorified in his sight, not because of anything that I've done, said, or ever will do, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so I can preach the gospel to myself. Not only do I get to find peace with God, but I get to find peace within myself. And that is the good news of Christmas. I'll end with this question. That peace that I've been talking about, is it for you? Is that peace, that, that inner peace, that peace with God and peace within yourself, is that peace for you? Well, if you know the peacemaker, then true hope and peace is for you. Let's celebrate this Christmas. Have you ever truly celebrated Christmas? To truly celebrate Christmas means to make Jesus the center of it the object of your faith and your hope and all the joy that surrounds Christmas truly only finds its culmination in Jesus Christ. And so I, I encourage you, I implore you this Christmas, truly celebrate Christmas this year by making Jesus the center of it. If you're here this morning and you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, if you want to know more about what that true peace, that true inner peace is, I'll be in the back and I would love to talk to you, right? Guys, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so excited to be gathered here this morning to, to hear your word preached, to hear the good news of Christmas. We look forward to celebrating with friends and family. and We just pray your blessings um, on all of the gatherings that are going to be happening this afternoon and, and this evening. Lord, would you be glorified? Get your glory from your people today. We, we pray that uh, it wouldn't be about the stuff that we get. It wouldn't be about the tree and, and, and about the food, but ultimately, Lord, uh, all of this would be one great big celebration for you, God, that you would get glory today because we know when you are glorified, your people get joy. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.